Welcome to the party, pal. Michael Dukes show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. We have got a uh, we got a slew of stuff to talk with you about this morning, and we are just uh, ready, willing, and able to make it all happen here. As I said earlier, we're going to start off with Elijah Verhagen here in just a few moments, and uh, we will get uh, his take on what he thinks the Interior Senate District. I guess R now? Is that, am I right? I think it's Senate District R. Uh, yes, Senate District R used to be Senate District B. What it needs to, uh, you know, to, to make things happen. So we're going to talk, uh, we're going to talk with him here in a few minutes and we'll be, uh, we'll be talking about all that and more. Then in hour two, it will be Walter Jones who is going to come on board and share with us his thoughts on uh, uh on uh, his candidacy for uh district uh the districts are messing me up man what is the used to be now it's senate district c so they again they flip flop them they just got to keep you confused that's it is they they you, the one year one time they start abc from the top of the state and the next time it's abc from the bottom of the state and everybody ends up being confused and um and uh you know running around and doing their thing and it's uh it's very it's very very frustrating all right uh so here we are <clears throat> running the uh running the show getting things ready to uh go and we've got some headlines for you to uh enjoy and facilitate in and we'll uh we'll we'll dive into those uh well uh we'll dive into those right now so We'll we'll keep things we'll keep things rocking and rolling. But here we go. So first things first, um, Governor Mike Dunleavy has signed an uh, involuntary commitment bill, um, which I, I you know while I understand that mental health is definitely uh, an issue uh uh we're facing that that affects us on so many levels these days i mean we you know anytime we hear about a, a mass shooting I, I you know i immediately think that we we probably have a mental health issue uh let alone everything else that's going on but involuntary commitment always you know it worries me gives me the heebie-jeebies um, this is a bill that authorizes the creation of facilities where people deemed to be in behavioral health crisis may be involuntarily committed and administered psychotropic medication without their consent. House Bill 172 was the subject of a lot of debate through many different hearings before it was passed by both the House and the Senate. Uh, the bill was first introduced at the request for the governor. According to the bill, Law enforcement can detain someone against their will if they believe they are in a behavioral health crisis, committing them to a crisis stabilization center where they may be held for up to 23 
uh, hours and 59 minutes or seven days in a crisis residential center. Now, it's interesting. I have not read the bill. I'll, I'll be the first to admit I have not read the full text of the bill. But I want to know what the definition of a behavioral health crisis is. I'm a libertarian, folks. I'm skeptical of authority. All right. I, I know that, again, um, it's uh, I just 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 want to know. I, I'm <laughs> I just want to know what's going on here. I want to know if there is a definition for behavioral health crisis. If not, um, why not? Uh, The bill says a crisis stabilization center would have the authority to administer psychotropic medication to an involuntarily held or detained respondent only in a manner that is consistent with Alaska Statute 473838. The statute states that an evaluation facility or a designated treatment facility may administer psychotropic medication to a patient without the patient's informed consent, regardless of whether the patient is capable of giving informed consent. It was created, the bill was, as an agreement with the Disability Law Center and the Public Defender Agency after an October 2018 lawsuit alleged that people in psychiatric crisis were held, uh, being held indefinitely in jails or emergency departments due to a lack of available beds at the state psychiatric hospital. The main goal of the bill, they said, is to create a strong system of care for Alaskans experiencing behavioral health need. It does this through immediate response mechanisms, such as crisis response teams, and buy new facilities, such as crisis stabilization centers. But critics are saying that uh, it may not quite hit the... And it puts civil liberties at risk. Um, Olivia Enzen with Human Rights Watch, a group that investigates and reports on abuses throughout the world, said placing law enforcement and courts at the centers of a person's mental health journey embeds coercion and is counterproductive to healing. To align with human rights, treatment should be rooted in the will and preferences of the person themselves, not overridden by the authorities deemed to be the best course. Right-respecting entities should prioritize community-based, trauma-informed, voluntary care. Except... I mean, I'm seeing both sides of this argument, right? Except for the fact that a lot of the people who are in crisis don't even acknowledge that there is a problem and their behavior is dangerous sometimes, uh, causing problems. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, there, there is some, there, there is some, there's both sides of this issue. Um, Shelly Hughes said she had, uh, quite a few constituents and people in her area urging her to vote against the bill. They were concerned about the language referring to involuntary commitment and administration of psychotropics without consent. She said those statutes are already in place regardless of the bill, and the health officers are already authorized to involuntarily commit people and administer psychotropics. Um, uh, Laura Reinbold voted against it. The bill uh, can be taken to a the bill states a minor can be taken to a crisis stabilization center without at first informing the parents. Uh, which that is also a little troubling. I mean, a parent should be involved at that point as well. Um, anyway, th- this bill is something that I, I hadn't even heard about. It uh, It wasn't even on my radar until uh, Suzanne over at Must Read uh, wrote about it. So again, she's she's doing yeoman's work over there. She's writing about stuff that some of us had not even been paying attention to. So... Good, good for her, and uh, I appreciate uh, 
I appreciate her. Uh, I appreciate her doing that. Uh, that uh, that is uh, fantastic. Let's go over here and uh, touch on one more story here before we have to go to the uh, before we have to go to the phones. It looks like the candidates for governor they're the ones that are really really benefiting from uh, all this uh, donation limit stuff. Um, Lard, we talked about it the other day, a million dollars, $800,000, $100,000 donations, um, uh, across the, you know, across the spectrum. They've all exp- reported large contributions far exceeding the previous donation limit of $500 per additional donor as per the ADN. Uh, Dunleavy and Dahlstrom are leading in the cash on hand with one month to go until the primaries. Dunleavy has seven hundred and sixty-eight thousand in the bank. Walker has seven fifty-one, and Guerra has over six hundred and fifty-five thousand. They're expected to be the top three vote getters. Um, a lot of the monies came from uh, for Dunleavy came from his brother. We talked about that. A couple hundred thousand bucks. Uh, Bob Penny, uh, another hundred thousand. Walker, of course, got a hundred thousand from Greg Orman and uh, Jason Carroll and Kathy Murdoch. A uh, hundred thousand bucks each for those. Uh, Gara uh, has raised over five hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Their largest contributors, though, are pikers compared to these other ones. They, Robin Brenna gave him sixteen thousand uh, dollars, and uh, uh, Jacqueline Carr and Mara, Myra Munson uh, like thirteen thousand. And that's a that's a far cry from a hundred thousand uh, dollars that these other ones got. Um, several other candidates are running, of course, Charlie Pierce, who, man, really need to pump up Pierce, um, is uh, reportedly raised $64,000 and, uh, they, uh, they only have about 22,000 cash in hand. So if you got some money, you may want to throw it Charlie Pierce's way. He's only got 64,000 with 22,000 cash in hand. Chris Kirka reported just having 2600 bucks in the bank and 8400 in debt after raising $12,000 since February. Um and Ho- uh, Paul Hooper his uh, running mate's got uh, who had raised 28,000. So between the two of them they raised uh, like 40,000 bucks. So that's um uh, you know they, they all of a sudden it has become big big money. Big, big, big money, million dollar races, and the little guys are living on 600 or living on, you know, uh, not six digits, five digit campaign. It's, I don't even know what to say. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into this and get back to it. Uh, we've got more coming up. We're going to be talking with Elijah Verhagen here in just a hot second. So let's, uh, Let's get that started, shall we? The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll return in just a moment. Don't forget, you can always join us on Facebook. We are on Facebook this morning. Praise the Lord. Pass the ammunition. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. We'll return in a hot second with Elijah Verhagen. Back with more right after this. If you miss- 
missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Well, yeah, I don't know what's going on here. I'm still having severe technical issues this morning. This was not the morning that I wanted this. I swapped out my I swapped out my mixing board last night cuz the other one was getting noisy, crackling and stuff and so I have one exactly like it. I put it all together, I tested it, everything worked fine. Two and a half minutes before broadcast this morning, all of a sudden it started peeking out all over the place and like I'm my recording of the show today looks like a solid bar. Like there's no peaks and valleys, you know how you look at a, a waveform. It's a solid bar. So hopefully it sounds good on Facebook. You guys will have to tell me if it sounds good on Facebook because I can't, I had to turn it, also turn it, like peak it way down on Facebook, but I got no recording whatsoever. I just don't even know what to say this morning. Uh, I hate it when that happens because I get a little flustered coming up into it and it's a little frustrating. And then I had to do, try to do a last minute reboot and uh, the last minute reboot and it came on, came back like 30 seconds before I had to go live on air. So I'm trying to rapidly click all these things to, to open and <sighs> kill me now. Uh, kill me now. Um, okay. Um, all right. Um, um, sorry. There you go. Sending, sending all my love to you. Let me go over here to the Facebook here to see what's going on. Sounds normal. Sounds no, I mean, sounds normal. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I just, I'm, 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 uh, I'm not, this is, let me show you here. It sounds normal to you, but this is what the show recording looks like right now. I mean, literally it's pegging the meter out so hard that there's absolutely nothing. That's, that's what it looks like right now. The recording, there is going to be no podcast until I go back and record it back off of Facebook to, uh, I mean, that's, that's good morning. That's your morning right there. Oh man, it's, uh, it's good. And now my Facebook is froze up, uh, where I'm just, is it, well, why was that? There we go. I, I'm, I'm going to be, yeah, going to the peninsula, going to Homer. That's what I'm saying. I'm just going to, we're going to, you know, it's, that's what it is right now. 
Um, you're not going to knock the power out, are you? Maybe. It's possible. That's the way it feels today. It was just one more thing. Wait for the power. I got to hear the. I got up early this morning and I had no internet this morning, which this show, for those of you who don't know on Facebook, the internet is also needed for me to talk to the radio stations with the special equipment and stuff. And so that was my first crisis. And it just. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right, uh, we are about 40 seconds out. Um, um, no, the, no, the audio levels. I've, I, have face, I have the broadcast software to Facebook turned way down, like, n- like 65 dB is normally lower than it normally is set. That's the only way. I went back and listened to just a slice of that little audio, and uh, it uh, just about blew my headset out. So it is what it is. All right. Well, here we go. Let's get back to it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share the show. Here we go. Ready to uh, rock and roll. Getting ready to dive into this whole thing. Uh, We've got uh, first of our two guests here today. We're continuing on talking about um, uh, talking about uh, what's going on in the legislature. We're going to start off in uh, this hour with Elijah Verhagen, who is. the GOP Senate candidate for District R, now District B, about to be District R, up in the interior, running against the incumbent uh, Click Bishop, uh, part of the Good Old Boys Network. So we're going to see if we can send them good old boys down the road. Let's uh, see what uh, he has to say. Elijah Verhigan joins us right now. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm great. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on. It's uh, it's good to speak with you again. Uh, so, um, how's the, how's the campaign going? I guess. I mean, I, I mean, I really, I don't want to frame this as like a David and Goliath thing, but of course, as an incumbent of many years, your opponent has, uh, you know, has already got a kind of a baked in advantage. Uh, but I know what that neighborhood and what that area, especially the North pole side of that equation can look like, uh, uh, the one leading out there towards North pole and then North of Fairbanks. I know that, that, that whole section of, of the world is, very um uh they can they can they can change their minds in a heartbeat i guess is what i'm saying so give me an idea what uh, what you're facing and what uh you know what what's happening sure so um yeah we just did our apoc filings and uh, and yeah i think you described it well i feel i feel a little bit like david and goliath especially with the financial donations uh, match up here so um I am thrilled, first of all, and grateful for all the supporters that I've been getting so far and uh, and the donations. 
um, I, we came in, uh, my campaign came in around 10,000 of uh, cash donations plus um, materials and, and signs and whatnot. And then uh, my opponent came in around 46,000. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a big difference. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, the makeup of our district, especially after redistricting, is I feel like it does give me uh, a slight advantage as long as I could get my name out there um, to some of the people that, you know, have never heard of me, um, then I, I do think that I do ha- I have a good shot. And, uh, and here's why. Um, if you look at some of his uh, donors, he's got, you know, the president of the NEA, different chapters of that, donating $2,500 a piece, just one person, you know, and several other union uh, leaders and, and whatnot donating these big contributions. So, in the past, the limit was $500 per person. Now there's no limit. And so if you look at a lot of these donors, um, uh, many of them are not from our, the district at all. They're uh, union bosses or uh, other uh, left-leaning groups that are donating tons of money in, in, you know, in one donation. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of money, <laughs> and, and that will be a hurdle for me uh, to overcome. But at the same time, We've seen in some races uh, in recent years, like, you know, Rob Myers versus uh, John Coghill, money doesn't always win. And sometimes the underdog can win because the, the voters are frustrated enough. And I, I'm thinking and hoping that that's kind of my case here. So, um, yeah, we in the district R that's formed now, we uh, gained uh, all of Delta, which is um, I was talking with one of their city council members out there recently. I had a meet and greet. It was well attended. Um, he was saying that there's uh, roughly 4,500 people in the in the area out there now. So that's uh, that's a it's a big area of people. Um, that's all new for Click Bishop uh, and me. Even though he's the incumbent, those are all new voters uh, in his district, and so um, a lot of them uh, have not been impressed with his uh, left leaning votes, and you know. Uh, against the full PFD votes, et cetera, vaccine mandate kind of stuff. And um, a lot of Delta people are, are farmers or, or military and a very conservative group out there. And um, and so if I, if I remember last time when we talked, I had mentioned that uh, a lot of the Delta folks were the ones that came up with the censure for Click Bishop and right. uh, passed it unanimously. So you know, here they are getting a new senator and they're like, whoa, we don't we don't approve of what he's been, how he's been voting. And uh, and so I am getting a lot of support out there. I'll be at the uh, at a booth of mine starting tomorrow. Uh, the Deltan Affair is a three day thing, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Right. And I'll have a booth the whole weekend out there. And um, I'm really excited for that. I, I had a like I said, a really good turnout um last weekend when i was out there and i put up some good signs and good uh unmissable locations you know coming into delta you can't miss them right and i and i have another big one i'm bringing out to put right downtown uh, delta there um and so i'm gonna be hitting that hard this weekend talking with those good folks um from them according to a lot of the people there they have yet to see one click sign pop up out there. And as far as they know, he's not come out there at all to, to campaign. And so uh, hopefully it'll stay that way. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll get, I'll continue to get a lot of support out there. Um, my, uh, 
my Fairbanks area is a little bit more challenging. Um, the new district that used to be Adam Wolves, District 35, um, is typically a little bit more blue in years right. past than red. Yeah, it's, However, it's kind of blue-purple. It's kind of purple-blue, yeah. 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 yeah, it did change a little bit um, with redistricting. And as we did see from the special election votes um, for the U.S. Congress seat, it was about 50-50. Right. Actually, there were a few more Republicans that voted. And so I'm trying my best to reach those people. Um, I'm having a meet and greet barbecue um, this Saturday, uh, four to six uh, at 915 Heyman Street. Um, it's uh, the residence of, of Ron Ashcraft, a friend of mine. And uh, we're going to be doing a, a meet and greet there, a fundraiser, four to six. And uh, I'll uh, send you. Um, actually, I think I might have sent you that invite, and you can you can post that for me if you don't mind. Um, but yeah, I would love to have a lot of people show up to that. Um, I'm in the Golden Days Parade, which uh, will be 10 to noon, and uh, we'll have a, a big booth there. And um, yeah, so I'm doing my best to to reach out to those people because that I feel like is my main. Um, my main challenge in, in this David versus Goliath matchup is is reaching those voters in China Ridge, China Palm, University West, uh, a little bit of Goldstream uh, Airport. That area is all my district. And um, lucky for me, that's a little bit more accessible. <laughs> I, I could get there living in Inanna. I can get to those areas in about 45 minutes. Right. Whereas <laughs> this last weekend, I, I had to go to Delta, Toke, Glen Allen. All of which are, you know, Delta's three hours from Unana, and then Toke is five hours. Glen Allen's like, you know, when the Richardsons open, Glen Allen's like five and a half hours from Unana. So, you know, those are far for me, but the Fairbanks area is a lot quicker for me to get to and, you know, uh, door knock, put up signs and whatnot. Right. Elijah Verhagen is our guest uh, candidate uh, for Senate seat. Our. Um, let's talk about some of the things that you're hearing now that you've been out on the trail a bit since our last conversation and everything else. What are your constituency concerned about and how does it mesh up with what your platform positions are, so to speak? Yeah, good question. So just yesterday, um, I, I was talking with some two, two people that I, I hadn't met before and, um, great folks. They bought, uh, they bought some used stuff from our construction business on, on Facebook. So we met up with them and dropped off these materials. We're talking with them and uh, they heard my name and they're like, Oh, you're Elijah. You're running for our seat. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, good to meet you. And, um, and they, uh, they said, well, you have two more votes. We we were shocked that, you know, he, he does not support a full PFD. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and not only does he not support a full PFD, you know, he's the Senate co-chair of finance. He's got a lot of power. He really, should be especially representing uh these people were in an outlying area of fairbanks i was like he really should especially in the in the more rural parts of his district be supporting the full pfd especially this this time around with the high you know inflation costs um gas prices etc this winter is going to be a tough winter for my constituents in the rural areas and now more than ever with you know, over one point something billion dollars of unanticipated revenue the state got, we should have or they should have no excuse to give the people their money, their full PFD. And um, 
And so I think that's going to be, I don't know, one of the main concerns, at least that I've been hearing in the outline areas, um, is, you know, wow, he doesn't support the full PFD. Um, and his record has very much showed that, you know. So, you know, if he were to now say, oh, yeah, I do, it's like, well, the person – well. Thing. Look, this is this is an interesting dichotomy because here you are coming from rural Alaska. I mean, not quite Bush, but close to it, like rural Alaska. Um, And you're talking to people in your neck of the woods and you're talking to people out there again in the fringes, Delta, Toke, things like that. Um, And Click seems to be servicing just the one segment of Alaska, which is the one that immediately surrounds the university and the union ones who don't feel the pinch of the PFD, the fee, the folks in the more rural areas, it's a big chunk of their, uh, of their annual income. It's a big chunk that it affects them. You know, a thousand bucks, maybe nothing to a, to a average click supporter, but to you guys, uh, who are living out, uh, you know, kind of in the hinterlands, that thousand bucks makes a big difference one way or the other. Oh yeah, absolutely. And again, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of our district now is, um, we, we got, got a lot more of the villages. And when you have gasoline over $9 a gallon in Galena, you know, and, and close to that in a lot of these other areas, um, it's, it's going to be tough. And, um, and so, yeah, that's something I've definitely been hearing. Another thing is just, you know, where is he? You know, why doesn't he, why doesn't he come out to our areas? Or, you know, this weekend when I was on this more rural tour, so many people, Oh, he doesn't care about us. He he never comes out here, you know, and uh, we feel completely forgotten is what, you know, to quote someone in, in Copper Valley. And, and it's like, OK, as a legislator, you have to or you should if you're a good legislator. You know, I can't promise the moon. You don't have endless amounts of time or anything, but you should be doing everything you can to at least return people's calls, you know, to set up meetings and listen to these your constituents that's your primary responsibility i'm not going to have any donors that are going to be able to say hey my union you know we gave you $2500 or we gave you you know $5000 you need to meet with us we're here in juno i'm going to be you know there representing our people wow you made it all the way here from ruby Right. Come right in. Let's Come, sit yeah. down. Let's you know. Let's chat. You guys had a and, long uh, trip, and you're on your own nickel. You're not working for some organization. You're just average citizens. You go to the head of the line, my friends. Exactly, and you know, and not only should you get met with with by me, you know, you're my constituent. We're going to return your calls. We're going to fight for you. We're going to do what we can to to make salmon. Fishing more uh, easily uh, accessible in the numbers. I, I was talking to a lot of people again this last weekend about the fishing crisis that we right. have, and um, it's not it's not right for the state, you know, to lock up fishing in the interior because you know the the bycatch is not under control, you know, down you know uh, um, in the coasts and. Uh, you know, I drove by the Golcana Hatchery for, for 45 years now. They've been using incubation technology to where um, naturally when um, when fish, when salmon spawn, uh, when a king salmon spawns, naturally uh, they typically have 5,000 eggs. And out of those 5,000 eggs, only 5% typically, because they've, they've done this over and over again for years, 
um, if it's just, you know, all left up to nature, only about 5% of those eggs actually return, you know, five to seven years later. So, you know, out of that original 5,000 eggs hatch that's laid, only about 5% make it back alive, <laughs> you know, to respawn later. And with, with this technology that, again, Fishing Game has been using for years, this incubation technology, they um, naturally, they catch, you know, a certain amount of fish, male and female for, you know, genetic diversity. They, um, they incubate the fertilized eggs. And then once they fry, uh, they um, hatch and emerge as, as fry, they put them right back in the same waters that they were taken out of. And so they have to live their life just like any other, you know, natural born salmon. But all of a sudden, because you incubated them, you're having out of those original 5,000 eggs. Right. You are getting a 90% survival rate that uh, at least as getting them hatched to fry to then go live their course and then come back instead of, you know, the 5% of nature. So it, it really has helped. And that's why people who all go to the Chitna area, which is my area, is because um, the Golcana hatchery has been doing this for 45 years. And it works. It works well. And so that that's a bill that I carried for um, Dave Calarico years ago was a way to let the private sector, if they choose to, and, and Doyle had asked for this originally, and, um, the native corporations, if they want to donate their money and resources into rebuilding these streams, then by all means, let them. Because currently in law, it says that you can only do that for educational or scientific research only. And this bill that I carried years ago would have allowed the private sector under the guidance uh, and and help of Fish and Game to use their dollars to to rebuild our streams with these natural fish. And so that's what we need to be doing. Things More, like yeah, this. Public, private. Instead of just yeah, public closing it and, you know, the people up here suffering. Yeah, exactly. Public-private partnerships. I mean, that's the, uh, that's an important part, something that can, uh, that can work. Um, all right. Elijah Verhagen is our guest. GOP candidate for Senate District R. Verhagen for Senate.com is his website. We're going to continue with him. We've got a couple more minutes with him, but we've got to take a quick break. So we're going to be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, we're in the break right now. Elijah Verhagen is our guest. I think, I think, I think I got the uh, uh, some of the audio levels tweaked back down now again. So hopefully, it's uh, you guys can hear everything out there and everything's going well. Uh, Elijah, I know you have to go pretty quickly here. Uh, how long do I have you till? Um, probably about another 15 minutes. Okay. All right. Good. Well, we're good then. Um, all right. So we're uh, we're good to go. Brian in the chat room says, man, 
coffee tastes good this morning. That's because he had a uh, Common Sense Core coffee mug delivered to him by yours truly. Yeah, it was door to door. It was door to door service almost. Well, we met in a Fred Meyer parking lot, but it was. It felt like kind of like a drug deal. Uh, but you know, it was <laughs> it was a coffee mug, so it was uh, it was a, a good thing like there. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, Elijah, you just gave us a little bit of some of the feelings. Some of the folks in the chat room are saying. Um, let's see. David in the chat room says, uh, click doesn't show up to meet his constituents. A lot of folks in Deltana and the surrounding areas don't even know his name or that he's our Senator. Is that what you're finding? That some people are like, who's our Senator? I mean, is that, is that, are you, are you finding that, that he's just, uh, kind of absent for everyone except for the big, uh, the big spenders? Yes. Well, yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the people, especially in Delta, because it's new to our district, which again is a lot of people they they are a lot of them are like wait who and it was funny when i was there um last weekend um i did a, a meet and greet at the city park there um there were a lot of people that you know came showed up and and listened and, and when i was all done i walked around there's a nice big playground there i went out and i handed a few flyers to some other people that were just you know close by in the park and three different ladies you know with their kids they're playing like right off the bat, they're like, are you Republican or Democrat? And I was like, I'm Republican. And they're like, thank goodness we need, you know, Republicans, we need conservatives. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, and I was asking people, I'm like, you know, how many, uh, you know, Democrats are there in the Delta area? Oh, not many. <laughs> we all know them and there's not, many, you know, so, um, yeah, that, that's a big area that, that large, that, yeah, his name is new to them. And, uh, but then another advantage I have is there's a lot of people in the areas that, yes, already know him because he's been their senator and because he hasn't showed up. And they are the ones that are like, where's Click? You know, it kind of reminds me of where's Waldo, you know. <laughs> a lot of people are asking, like, where is he? He doesn't show up to our to our areas. You know, he doesn't right. show up to our meetings. Right. And, um, you know, when I um, when I was district chair of our of our new district, we formed in December of, of last year and um, representative Kronk, who's our district 36 representative, he was on the phone, you know, participating in the organization of our Republican committee. Click was not there, never said a peep, never contacted, you know, me or anyone else in the party. Then in February, we're all in Fairbanks. We had our um, conventions. Again, Kronk was there participating, no click. Then in Fairbanks, we had our state convention in April. Kronk was there in person, participating, no click, right in his hometown, right in Fairbanks and West, you know, West Park, you know, and, and, and so that's kind of become a, a reoccurring thing, you know, where, where's click. And, and again, I keep hearing, okay, now he's finally going out to some of the villages and he's, he's trying to get around. And I think that's funny because for years it has not been happening and all of a sudden, he, you know, he's trying. And so I'm like, okay, well, even if, you know, I'm, I'm giving a good fight, but even if I don't win, the fact that he's actually getting out finally to his areas and listening to his people, hopefully. Yeah, that's a win. That's a little bit of progress. Yeah, that's a win, at least. At least, you you know, and that's the challenge. That's why I hate to see any candidate go 
unchallenged in a primary or even in a general race because it's the only thing that keeps them sharp. I mean, if you haven't seen your candidate out in your neck of the woods for years and all of a sudden the election season rolls around and they're there, well, hey, where you been, Charlie? You know what I mean? What's going on? And so, uh, yeah, it's definitely a positive that you are getting – uh, that you are, uh, you know, at least moving the needle in that regard uh, as well. So that'll be good. Uh, we're about 60 seconds out, Elijah. Any other things you're hearing besides the PFD and the budget? Is there any other issues that are sticking in salmon? Uh, anything else real quick? Well, um, you know, a lot of people actually have been talking about um, mining. And, 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 and it's funny because mining – is the one thing that click is really like, that's what he loves doing. He has right, a mind right. and he's out there almost all summer long, typically. And that's why people never see him, you know? So, um, mining is good. We need meaning more mines. There's a big mine, uh, that Ken Ross is doing out next to Toke. A lot of the people in Toke are excited about that. It's going to bring jobs. It's going to bring a lot of jobs actually out to Toke. There's a few concerns that, they have with trucking all the material all the way to Fairbanks, the Delta and the Toke people because it right. goes right through. All right, well, um, hold hold on, hold on, Elijah. I'm sorry, I'm up. Uh, I'm up against it here. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show continues. Your home for common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share. Here we go. <laughs> All right, we're continuing now with Elijah Verhagen, GOP candidate for Senate District R. Verhagen for Senate is his website. I know you can also find him on Facebook as well. He rejoins us right now. Um, We were just talking about uh, mining and some other things. Uh, This is going to be, I mean, the, the wealth is in the land, Elijah. And one of the things that we've seen for years is we've seen the state government uh, kind of, uh, you know, put up roadblocks, uh, restrictions, regulations, driving most of small businesses, you know, miners especially. I mean, there's a fraction of the small miners that there used to be in the state compared to where where it used to be. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, regulatory hurdles and things that the small guy can't even, he can't even comply with. And that's uh, also a big part of your district. Yeah, absolutely. And so, a lot of the people, like I said, are, are really excited in those areas for this, you know, new mine. And because, uh, again, it'll bring jobs, uh, help the economy, etc. And uh, and so that's exciting. Another thing that I've been hearing that people are really, you know, just so confused about is ranked choice voting. And they really want it gone. <laughs> and um, as we know, it mysteriously passed by 1% or so in the middle of the night. And um, And so... If we can get a conservative majority, you know, conservative Republican majority down there in the legislature, we can, you know, get rid of that, repeal it. And, uh, you know, Click and others would be a lot easier to beat if we actually had a normal primary again. Uh, It it, it was proven with, you know, John Coghill and, um, you know, uh, Delana Johnson, uh, not not, not Delana Johnson, um, Jennifer Jennifer Johnson, yeah, down in Anchorage, and a few others that got two years ago got primaried because they'd been caucusing with Democrats, etc. 
and click would have been a lot easier to beat that way. But not just that. It's just it's so confusing. So people continually ask me about ranked choice voting, and they are really wanting to have us repeal that if if we get in there. Well, and uh, and I think that's uh, that you know that's one of the things that I think is going to happen with the, the, you know the the one kind of silver lining of the whole thing of the of the passing of Don Young and this special primary and the special general and the reg, it's throwing enough confusion into the year that I think people are going to be like what I mean I I don't think people knew what they vote I think a lot of people I've spoken to people who voted for it had no idea that it had anything to do with anything except for the removal of dark money you know kind of thing which was their big uh, which was their big media push there for a while so hopefully we see a change in that uh, so it's good to see that you support that as well um, let's talk a little bit um, about the budget overall uh, you got a chance now you've seen how the sausage is made you've worked. Uh, as staff and as an aide and things like that. So you've seen how the sausage is made and you've seen all the little, uh, uh, you know, all the foibles. Oh, we just don't have enough money. And then they brag about the $1.2 million in excess. And then the governor says, no, we're actually going to have closer to $3 billion that we're going to be able to put uh, away and everything else. Yet we still don't have our full PFD. What's your full take on the budgets as they sit right now, especially the 22 and 23 conjoined budget? Yeah. So, I think I mentioned this a little bit last time. I am a fiscal conservative, always have been. And even though we're finally making a bunch of money because of the high oil and gas prices, now is the time to not be overspending, in my opinion. Now is the time to be refilling the CBR and paying the people a full PFD, first and foremost. You know, they always have it wrong. They do whatever they can and want. And then whatever is left, the scraps they give to the people is the PFD. It should be the other way around. You do a full PFD first, and then you see what's left. But what we need to be doing is be careful to, yes, we've had a lot of deferred maintenance, and the capital budget has been almost nothing for years. We have a lot of that that, that should be done. But still, we're seeing you know, a very big capital budget. We're seeing um, a lot of, in my opinion, I'm happy the governor vetoed a bunch of the stuff that he did. Right, because, right. Because, yes, we have money now, finally, but still, it's a lot easier to not grow government in the first place than it is to cut it. I've seen that time and time again working down there as a staffer. And um, and so, yeah, we got to be careful not to grow, you know, too quickly. And, in fact, I feel like we should just kind of maintain, at least with the operating budget, and then – you know, yes, invest in our infrastructure and stuff that's been desperately needing it for years in the capital budget. But at the same time, we need to be careful. We need to be cautious because, you know, when you it's it's sad but true that with government uh, jobs and I was talking to a constituent about this, the people at the top of the food chain, so to speak, in government jobs, they, you know, over all the years, they've really worked up. A lot of, you know, a high pay, high salary, many times more than the governor makes, which I think, wow, I think we could have a whole conversation about that. <laughs> but um, when budget cuts happen, the people at the top are kind of, you know, collective bargaining and these public unions and right. whatnot. They're making the decisions. They're not the ones that are taking they, they never take pay cuts. They chop off the new hires. <laughs> and the new hires are the ones in the state offices uh, you know, and whatnot, state government, 
that are in the trenches, so to speak, that are dealing with the people, you know, trying to provide services, trying to answer questions and whatnot. And they're the first to go during budget crises and budget chops. And so then the public feels that and they're like, oh, my gosh, maybe we shouldn't cut the budget. Well, it shouldn't have to be that way. You know, one thing I, that we do have the authority to do in the legislature that I um, have recommended and we've tried to do amendments like this in the past with bosses I've worked for is you can look and you can say, all right, um, the PCNs, you know, for, for, for state employees, in my opinion, it's like, okay, when, when I was working as a staffer, when the majorities flip, you take pay cuts as a staffer sticking with the, you know, Republicans, you go from majority to minority, you know, and you take sometimes thousands of dollars a month pay cuts just because you're going to stick with your principles or you should some flop back and forth. Staffers have seen that. I'm like, okay, we can have a conversation about that too. You know, what's, what, what are you fighting for when you just jump ship and then start working, you know, for the other side, just because they took power, you know, but if you're sticking with your principles and your guns, you know, you are going for you're going to have a pay cut, you know, working in the in the legislature. And, and I did that in the past. And, and I feel like we're all in this together. Or we should all be in this together as a state. And so when we're cutting the budget, you know, we can say we should be able to say. And again, we have the ability. It's just sometimes not the willpower. But we can say, OK, let's look at, you know, this department um, instead of just chopping off actual jobs right right at the bottom of the food chain let's all you know let's let's cut you know a percentage from the pay that goes yeah let's let's all feel it all right hold on hold on elijah i'm I'm out of time here let's all feel it i want to give you where are you going to be give me your your final quick i gotta go real quick what's your sure so um uh all day tomorrow i will be at the deltana fair at a booth please come say hi um Early Saturday morning, I'll be setting up and I'll be going in the Gold Days Parade um, and then come watch that. That's 10 to noon at downtown Fairbanks. And then 4 to 6 in Fairbanks on Saturday afternoon, I'll be at 915 Heyman Way, which is off of Roland Road. Uh, please come by gotta for go. a barbecue. All right. Elijah Verhagen, Verhagen for Senate. We got to go, folks. Hour two, dead ahead. Sorry about that, Elijah. Uh, anything else? No, I'm good. Okay, you're good. I really appreciate it. All right, and they can find all this, and I'm assuming they can find all this on your website, Verhagen for Senate. Yep, and my Facebook. All right. Well, thank you, Elijah. We appreciate you coming on board, my friends. Good to talk with you. All right, thank you. All right, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, All right, that finishes up that. Elijah Verhagen, our guest. Uh, Okay. I think I think I've gotten everything squared away. I mean, I don't know. I was tweaking in the background uh, the whole time here trying to get the I actually have got the recording up now and uh, we're looking we're looking pretty good. Uh, so hopefully, uh, man, we're just maxing that out, aren't we? still anyway, it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting uh, it'll be an interesting thing. Uh, Ginsink says howdy on Twitch this morning. So good morning, Ginsink. Thanks for joining us. Um, uh, if you would like, it doesn't matter if you're on Facebook. It doesn't matter if you're on YouTube or on Twitch. Make sure that you say, uh, make sure that you like and share. You follow. 
you hit the hit the subscribe button, you ring the bell, you do all that stuff. We would love to hear what uh, what you guys have to say. Feel free to uh, to drop us a, a line in there. Ginseng. What did I say? Ginseng. Yeah, ginseng. Sorry, my bad. My bad. Not enough coffee this morning. It's pronounced ginseng. I like it. Uh, yeah, Facebook actually let me on today, Greg. That's I. I don't know. I didn't. I only had to try once because I was in full on crisis mode. <laughs> of course, it worked the one day that I was in. <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, pretty pretty interesting stuff. All right. Well, uh, we're going to uh, we'll continue on here and uh, see what we can come up with uh, on anything else. What are you guys doing this weekend? What's the plan? I mean, I know it's only Thursday, but uh, I myself am headed down to uh, am headed down to Homer to enjoy. Well, I was going to say the beautiful weather. But according to uh, according to the weather service, it's supposed to rain. Let me see if it uh, let me see if it it updated anything uh, this morning. No, Friday. Well, it's supposed to be partially sunny, partially sunny Friday and Saturday, and then cloudy on Sunday, and uh, it's supposed to be raining all day today. Uh, that's what the fancy widget says. What does the National Weather Service say? Partly sunny. Highs near 59, uh, 30% chance of rain on Saturday, mostly sunny, highs near. That's going to be nice, you know. That's uh, it's going to be a nice, uh, um, exactly. Why conservatives prefer homeschooling for their kids? Schools are funded by taxes, taxation is theft, and I'll be damned if I let my own children steal from me. <laughs> you go, man. You, you, and you're not, you're not wrong. You are not wrong. Um, uh, as to uh, why a lot of people decide to homeschool their kids. Alaska has more homeschoolers per capita than anywhere else in the world. Well, the country, anyway. And uh, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, the other part is is that they don't want to be told what to do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Bill says it's raining at Homer right now. Um, we're heading out. Um, you should go dip netting in Fish Creek, says Brian. Um, I was a commercial fisherman for a couple of years and I'll be honest with you, that kind of ruined fishing for me. I haven't been fishing in 20 years, 25 years, maybe I took my kids, my kids fishing a couple times, but commercial fishing kind of ruined fishing for me. Um, as a, like, as a, re- I was never a huge fan of fishing anyway. I, I did it when I was a kid and things like that, but it wasn't something that I longed to do. Um, but Commercial fishing kind of ruined that for me. I'm just not a, not into it at all. Um, uh, husband forbids his wives and children from leaving the great compound unless we fall prey to outside treasures. Better that way. Um, okay. Um, I think someone's trolling me on that. Oh, man. Uh, Bill says it's raining here. According to Bill, not the National Weather Service, it's raining there now. All right. Uh, let me go back in the comments here. Click is also big on that LNG pipeline that's being discussed. Uh, the media is helping him with his image, too. The article came out of the news miner on the pipeline. When it came out, Click was in just two paragraphs, yet his quote uh, got the headline and his picture was in the paper, not the governor's. 
Yeah, well, you know, he's got uh, he's got some friendly press going on there. Not a big surprise for parts of the incumbency. Uh, definitely um, parts of the incumbency part of the problem. Um, Leela, uh, going back to the mental health thing when we were talking about uh, HB, uh, what was the name? It was HB 172. I used to work in the community mental health field as an administrator. I assisted in filing Title 47s and voluntary commitment. There's a lot of due process involved in assuring nobody is wrongly committed. A client had to be a legitimate danger to themselves. It couldn't be merely weird or eccentric. Our real issue is, is that the courts had ruled that people couldn't be involuntarily medicated when in custody. Title 47 allows the system to hold them for three days for an additional 30 days for stabilization, but often these unmedicated clients were still calling us, threatening to kill their case manager as their release paperwork was being processed. Um, interesting, Leela. Um, yeah, like I said, I wasn't even familiar with the bill. I wasn't even familiar with the bill before uh, it came out or before it was just talked about. So um, maybe it's something we should dive into later on and get a little bit deeper on. Um, all right. <clears throat> Frank Tomanzowski, have him on. We've got uh, I will, Moret. I, I, he's one of the guys that's on my list. We're going to talk about that. All right, we got to go. We got to go. Uh, taking off here. We're about to start the show. Ready to rejoin. Like and share. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet uh, at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find the live audio stream and links to all the social medias and everything else, and also broadcasting across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and FM translator. It is The Michael Duke Show. Good morning. Uh, how are you this morning? How are things going? How are you guys ready to rock and roll and continue? We just finished up a discussion with Elijah Verhagen, who's running for state house in District R up in the interior. Now we swing all the way down to the lower peninsula Kodiak area and get a chance to dive into it with our next guest, who is a candidate now for district, uh, for Senate, uh, in district, uh, 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 district C. 
again, used to be used to be the, the whole redistricting thing has still got me all messed up. Uh, Walter Jones is running against the incumbent Gary Stevens, who is one of the longest serving legislators uh, out there. Uh, and Walter is uh, coming on board and bringing a challenge. And like I said, I love to see that. I love to see whoever they are, Republicans, Democrats, uh, where I love to see them get challengers in every election because that makes them uh, makes them, uh, you know, a little more on target and strident. And uh, so we get a chance this morning to talk about that. And uh, Walter join uh, Walter Jones joins us right now. Let's uh, go over here. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, sir. I'm, I'm doing great. Good. Well, thanks for coming on board and joining us. Uh, we appreciate you doing it. We know it's early and everything else, but this is the this is the life you chose, sir. This is the public that public life that you've chosen now. Um, I've been up since five. You've been up since five. Okay, good. I mean, it's the same thing with me, so I I, I feel you. Um, all right. Well, for folks who don't know, uh, Walter, you're from the uh, Anchor Point area. Is that correct? Can you give us a little bit of a can you give us a little bit of a background of who you are, where you are, where you come from, et cetera, et cetera? Okay. Uh, well, back in 1990, I came up to Alaska um, to Fairbanks, and I've lived all over the state and ended up homeless down in uh, Anchor Point because I lost my house getting laid off the third time on a slope. Mm-hmm. So we ended up buying a motorhome and uh, bought some property there in Anchor Point and built our home out of pocket. So that's where we're at. Nice. Uh, you are you. You came up to Alaska uh, from somewhere else originally. Where are you from originally? Uh, originally, I was from. I was born and raised in uh, Pennsylvania, Schmokin, Pennsylvania. And then I I took off to Florida for a year because I had a, a bunch of uh, graduation money and had fun with that. I was young, <laughs> and uh, when that ran out, I joined the military and came on up here to Alaska. Join the military to be your own boss, kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, didn't work out that way. Yeah, it, it, it never does. It never does. I'm gonna join the military, be my own boss. Yeah, that'll that'll work oh, out. I, I didn't have the money to get to Alaska, and that's where I wanted to go. So yeah. Um, so uh, you you married? You got some family? You got uh, kids? You got roots in the community? You've been here a while? Yes, I, I'm married to uh, Ruth and my son Ian. Um, we're a strong family. We, we've worked hard together, had some hard times together, but pulled through it. And uh, everybody had a hand in, in building our new home. So nice. it was awesome. Well, let me ask you the question that I like to ask uh, every potential uh, candidate or politician out there that is, uh, you know, this is this is the one because I had to ask myself this when I ran for office one time was when exactly did you lose your mind? Uh, you know, I mean, what what made you decide to throw your hat in the ring in this madhouse that is the state legislature? Was there a one thing that did it? Was it was it cumulative? Was there a straw that broke the camel's back? What made Walter Jones rip his hat off his head, throw it into the corner, and say, "That's it, I'm running for office." Um, what, what was the, what was the catalyst for that? Well, I drive trucks. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of policies against us. Um, uh, you know, you, you always vote for, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, and then you hear crickets until the next election time. Correct. So I got tired of dealing with that. I'm like, no, I'm done. And, uh, <laughs> my wife and I discussed it. Uh, it was, 
pretty hard choice, you know, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose half my income uh, to do it. But it, it's time to, to give Alaska back to Alaska, you know, and, and instead of letting the politicians run it in the ground. Right. Or, or donate it to uh, China. So and uh, that's how I feel about it. And that's that's <laughs> it, it's time. It's time somebody stood up. I mean. No, nobody's ever given uh, given Gary Stevens a, a run for his money. So. Right. Well, it's, and 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 have you been in here with the redistricting and everything? You've been in his district, though. I mean, this is you've been part of his district for a long time. Right. Yes. So, so I mean, have you, and you and you got to see. Have you ever? I mean, have you ever dealt with him? Met with him? I mean, is there? Are you just like out of sight, out of mind? What What is your thoughts uh, on your opponent in that regard right now? Well, if it wasn't for photos, uh, I wouldn't even know what he looked like because he's never around. I, I've never seen him and I've met him. Uh, all I know is he just loves to tax to death the average guy. So uh, that's got to stop. Yeah. But we, we need a breath of air here. Right. Um, well, let's talk about some of the major issues here uh, that are facing uh, the legislature in the upcoming session and the citizens of the state of Alaska. Obviously, um, <clears throat> the uh, the PFD has been a big issue. The taking of the PFD since 2016, um, it really has uh, deeply affected the economy, especially the private economy. Uh, what is your you know what is your your feel? And 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 I'm assuming you've been talking to your neighbors and and folks around you and everything else and your constituents. What is the what is the feel? I mean, is is the PFD? Do we need to be following the statutory formula with that, or should we be just discarding it and utilizing the PFD for government? What's your take? No, and you know, and, that, and that's the problem. Um, it was never it was never meant for the government as, as a private piggy bank. Um, it, it was is to every Alaskan to in, enjoy and reap the rewards of of their state. Um, Take, for instance, 2017, when Walker uh, initiated the, the SB 26. I will repeal that because that's where they took the right off the people so they could dip into our portion. Right. Because over 8,000, and there's a lot, over 8,000 nonprofits that I, I can't wait to see what they actually do. Um, just take millions and millions of dollars. So it burns up their portion of their PFD, the you know the state PFD. So now with that bill, they get to dip into our PFD, and oh well, we still need more money. No, it doesn't work that way. Learn how to budget your, your money. I'm gonna, I'm a truck driver, so I'm trying not to cuss. So no. it infuriates. <laughs> well, good, good. I'm glad you're trying not to cuss because that that would that would end the interview rather abruptly. So, well, I. Well, I, you know, look, I, I feel you. I mean, we've seen that. We've seen the effect on the economy. We've seen what happened. And the problem with SB 26, of course, is that it puts at immediate loggerheads two statutes. You've got a new statute and an old statute. And instead of repealing it, but it seems like the legislature is just too cowardly to, to repeal it or to modify it, they continue to just leave these two conflicting statutes in there. And so you're right. One of them has to go. I vote for SB 26 to go. Uh, because that that percent of market value has got a lot of problems, including not hedging against, um, you know, bear or bull market fluctuations. I mean, if the market goes down with the old formula, 
your PFD went down because it was based on a five-year rolling average of returns. If it goes up, it goes up. With the yep. POMV, if it goes down, they just take more money out of the principal. And that is eating the seed corn. That's a problem. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why we'll never, we'll never get that full PFD uh, as the, con- the Alaska Constitution allows us to, you know, it, it, it's got to be dealt with. And, right. And what's your, you know, what, what, what's your, what's your, what's your election for them to say, oh, well, we're going to, we're going to tackle this. We're, we're going to tackle this, this, this go around. Well, you've already been in office for four years. <laughs> this <laughs> go, this go around, they've been kicking this can down the road for eight years almost. I mean, or, or I guess right. oh, going on seven years now. So, I mean, when are you going to fix it? I mean, we have been overspending in this state. Uh, we spent $18, $17 billion out of savings over the last eight, nine, 10 years. And you you were going to fix it this whole time. When are you going to fix it? I mean, That's, obviously, with the same crew we have right now, it's not going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's my whole point is we need we need some some people that don't have to go to the spine clinic to pick up their spine. You know, they're they're born with one and get in there and and start rattling this cage up here and and make it happen. What is your what is your constituency saying, Walter? I mean, I'm assuming you've had a chance to meet with some of your uh, local folks and voters. I mean, are they on the same wavelength with, that you are? are? Are they in favor of the full? Is it is it one of the issues that they bring up to you? Well, see, right. They are, they are on, on board and as well. I am uh, for a full PFD back pay and that three point five million dollars that Mr. Walker took away from our portion as a savings for what? Because you can't manage the money you already get. That's that $3 million still belongs to us and should be divvied up right now to us. Right. You know, it makes no sense to me. They just squander money like it's monopoly. Um, have you had a chance to take a look at the uh, the, the latest budget? Have you been following that or at all, uh, the budget it, debates it, and the battles? It, it, it's sickening uh, on what's in that budget. Hit me with some of the things that you would like to see changed. Um, I mean, specifically, we could go through this last budget, uh, but talk to me about some of the things that you would fight for as a senator to see changed in the uh, in the budget. Well, we need to cut. What was there over eight hundred thousand employees? We need to cut the, the. I mean, yeah, it's job loss, but a major portion of these people don't even live in Alaska. You know, and they're and they're taking Alaskan funds. We need smaller government, you know. We don't need everybody to tell the average Alaska what to do. It, we're pretty smart, uh, you know. We, we could figure it out. Uh, we need smaller, smaller government. All, all these over eight thousand nonprofits need to be audited because I've personally witnessed nonprofits with three, four hundred thousand dollar boats going fishing. Now, what the hell you need? two million dollars for if you get a boat to go fishing right that's that's not what i want to put in for a nonprofit. you better help somebody because we you know after all these millions and millions of dollars we still have kids living in the bush you know because they have no home it's it's bogus 
Uh, Walter Jones is our guest, GOP candidate, Senate District uh, C, which is now down on the peninsula. It used to be Senate District uh, P, I think, uh, yeah. uh, down there. And uh, he is a, a candidate. You could find him at jonesforalaska.com. We're coming up on the break here, Walter, so I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to come back to you here in just a hot second, and we will continue our discussions. So don't uh, don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. Don't forget, if you'd like to uh, talk with a candidate or ask questions during the break, you can join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. All right, we're going to be back with more in just a moment. Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio, and Walter Jones returns right after this. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. Commercials are rolling. Walter Jones is our guest. Um, And uh, we will uh, get back to some of the questions from the chat room. Um, Walter, uh, let's see, some of the questions that I've had so far um, – Uh, is are you in favor of removing certificate of need laws? Are you familiar with what certificate of need laws are, Walter? I, I'm not. So those are laws that require that any new medical facility in a community get a certificate of need from the state showing that there is an actual, uh, I guess, need for the community to have that. The problem is is that they've been abused in uh, in the state of Alaska to the point to where they've created monopolies in various communities only allowing one uh one medical hospital or clinic or imaging center or many other things and it's been, it's been a real stumbling block for entrepreneurship and for people who want to offer um you know alternative options for healthcare other than the local hospital system. I got you. Okay. So the, yeah. the and and we're one of the few states that still the there there a lot of states have re, have repealed their certificate of need laws to let the market do what it needs to do and they have benefited from it. Uh right. so there's been a movement to kind of move that around. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm all for that. Yes, repeal that. Absolutely. So you, you should have the, the right to go anywhere. Right. Right. And build a business or do anything else or, you know, whatever. Um, The uh, let me see. What else? Have you been following politics the last six years? Ask anybody. And have you had any real community involvement? Have you gotten it or is this your first time really getting involved? Have you been following on the sidelines or you've been working with groups? Have you been working with uh, your local Republican Party or anything else? What you know, what's your history on this or is this just. You know, you, you're mad as hell and not going to take it anymore and threw your hat in the ring. Well, I, I drive trucks, so I work a lot driving the Hall Road, Alcan, and it just, uh, I, I, I didn't have anything to do with politics. All I know is every time my tax bill came, it was more and more and more. And I'm like, this is ridiculous, you know, because I'm not making any more money. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I never dealt with politics i was just go vote and have a nice day and back to work so right 
Have you uh, <clears throat> have you reached out? Somebody said that uh, they like what you're saying, but they heard you hadn't uh, reached out to the District 6 Republican Party and talked to them at all or get their support. Have you gotten an endorsement or you had any conversations with your local Republican Party, District Party, um, um, or anything like that? I'll be honest with you. They, they don't want to back me is why Keith Smith is running against me, not Gary Stevens. He's running against me. And Sarah Vance is holding his hand through this whole thing. And... Uh, I mean, is that is because that I, is, I is, is that a, is that a bad thing? I mean, I guess I'm just wondering. You know, shouldn't we shouldn't well, we work to to overcome the incumbent? Isn't that the biggest challenge here? Or thank, what are your thoughts? Thank, thank you. See, the whole reason they they've even sent me a letter to step down so that he could take place. There's there's a little thing going on there. Um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, Dang. I mean, shouldn't, I mean, shouldn't, you know, the, the whole point here is to remove, is to remove Gary Stevens, right? I mean, that's, I mean, that's kind of the point of both oh. of your positions. I, because I wasn't going to play ball because when I went to the, uh, um, uh, district six, uh, convention, I had a standing ovation and Sarah Vance got all upset about that because I, I am not gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to work with the Democrats. I don't want nothing to do with them. Uh, because that's what's killing Alaska. We we need to get back to the basics here uh, of Republican Party, the real Republican Party, mm-hmm. and fix, and fix this stuff now. Because if we don't, we're going to lose it. Right. Four more years, it it's going to be a dumpster. Um, all right, we're coming up. Uh, we're coming up on the uh, on the break here, and we're going to rejoin the radio. So hold the line. Um, Walter Jones is our guest, uh, GOP candidate for Senate District C. Jonesforalaska.com is his website. We're going to continue the Michael Duke Show Common Sense Radio. Well, hey, ding, and I should appear. That's what happens. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Continuing now with our guest, Walter Jones, who's a GOP candidate for Senate District C. Um, We were just talking about uh, working with the local Republican Party and, uh, you know, some contention there. Basically, we essentially have in this race uh, three candidates, and all three of them, are certified Republicans, and so it's kind of a little bit of a battle. What sets you apart from your opponents, both Gary Stevens and uh, Heath Smith, uh, at this point, uh, Walter? What What do you think is the is the you know what, what's the curb appeal to vote Walter Jones versus anybody else at this point? Well, we all know Rhino Gary Stevens, or know of him, uh, and my uh, my opponent had just recently registered as. A Republican. I've been a Republican my entire life, as well my entire family. So I still hold the the core values uh, of family, you know, God, country. Um, been overseas quite a few times to defend that. So right, and I I got a backbone. Uh, I do get fired up, and 
I will stand my ground and I'll keep fighting until, until they cave. <laughs> let's, um, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit here about, uh, you know, the, the big things we were just before we went to break, we were just talking about the budget. Uh, yeah. you know, we got a couple big line items in the budget. One of course is the health and social services budget, which is, uh, which is huge. And, Second only, <clears throat> second only to that is the education budget. So uh, one of the questions coming out of the chat room is, what would you do to improve K-12 education and to find the efficiencies needed um, for, uh, you know, to find the efficiencies needed for uh, a, a more streamlined education system and, and a better outcome? What, what are your ideas? Well, Mr. Duke, my, my idea is, is uh, it shouldn't be funneled just to public schools. Uh, as, a, as a parent, you should be able to send your kid wherever you want for the best school that he's going to get. Uh, I mean, it's his future, or his or her future. I should put. But uh, we shouldn't be just funneling it all into one. It, it's a monopoly. So you're you're in favor of I'm assuming like school school vouchers or backpack funding yeah. or uh, the dual enrollment or things like that where the monies that are taken can then be used in uh, other choices of education rather than just brick and mortar public schools. Exactly. Who else knows your your child but you, right? I mean, wh why should we hamper him by sending him to one school and and if he's not getting a, the best education there? You pull him and put him somewhere else where he will get an, an education. And what about the, uh, you know, what about the, uh, uh, you know, the efficiencies? I mean, we're talking about over 50 different school districts, each one with administrators and overhead and structures and everything else. Could we consolidate? Uh, should we be consolidating some of those down? Should we do the same thing to the university with its three different universities and its three different systems and the overarching system and the duplication of effort that we have there? Should we be right. looking to reduce that as well? Absolutely, because each one of those entities put their hand in the pot, too, for some money. So, it, yeah, it, there's no reason to have that many. It, it, it's a school system. It, you know, we're not building rockets. Right. So, <laughs> you, you don't need that many people to do that job. I'm, I'm sorry. Parents could do the job. Walter Jones is our guest. Jonesforalaska.com is his website. He's a GOP candidate for Senate District C. Uh, what are some of the other things as you've gone out and talked to people, uh, run the race, and, and uh, you know, we're coming down here. Uh, the primary, obviously, there's only three of you, so all three of you are going to advance to the general. It's not really a primary. It's more of a poll at this point. But uh, what are you hearing from your constituencies? What are the hot button issues? I mean, PFDs, crime, um, um, you know, fishing, uh, budgets. Uh, you know, what what are what are the big issues that your constituency cares about? Uh, in my in my district, sir, is is uh, fishing. A lot of fishing. Um, a lot a lot of these bottom trawlers that are just wreaking havoc on, on our uh, ecosystem. Because I guess when they go for Pollock, that's that's where they're at. They're bottom feeders, right. so they they just reap havoc on the bottom. Well, we have we're one of very few countries in the whole world that actually have bubblegum coral. Yeah, it's coral. We can't eat it, but it takes forty five hundred years for it to grow back to sustain life. Right. So it's gone. 
And as long as we still allow these bottom draggers, because everybody just wants to say trawlers. Oh, well, it's not all trawlers because you got sane trawlers and everything else. But these bottom draggers that are stationed in Seattle um, wreak havoc on our shelf. And, and my solution to that, why can't we put concrete artificial reefs down there? One, it'll stop any further dragging because go ahead and drag up a five-ton piece of concrete in your net. And two, it'll it'll kickstart back what they've damaged already. So that's my solution to that. And and the fishing, obviously, the I mean, draggers are are definitely a problem. How about the salmon runs and uh, some of the other things that are going on? Any have you had any uh, insight into that? Have you have you kind of schooled yourself up on it? Are you familiar with the battles that are going on? commercial subsistence sport fishing kind of that triumvirate of things that are dealt with at the state level instead of like for example the federal level i have i've i've talked to biologists uh actual commercial fishermen set netters i've talked to all of them um i'm in favor of what they're doing right now with the king salmon because what happens when you hook a you know this whole thing of catch and release that was that was a bad bad deal because when you hook a, a, a king and then still have to release it, but you work him to death, he's not going to spawn. Um, they, they create a, uh, a chemical in their body that makes them sterile. So even though they'll make it up there eventually and try to spawn, they're sterile, does nothing. And that's why we've watched the depletion over the last five, six years drastically. And I'm all in favor of them closing it all down and letting these fish regroup and, and make it back up there. So you would, uh, you would say shutting down the fishery for, for however many years it takes for it to rebuild? Is that it, the, is well, that... They, they already have, they, they already have, you, you can't even, you can't even fish for Kings. Right. Um, so, and I'm, I'm for that. It, it sucks, but we live in Alaska and if you want it to sustain, this is what you have to do. Okay. Um, we, uh, I've got a few more minutes here and Walter, I don't know if you're familiar with the show or not, but we have a, we have a bit of a mantra here. We have a bit of a, of a guideline that we call the charter of changes. Are you familiar with that by any chance? I'm not. Okay. So I, I, sir, I'm busy all the time. So. Yeah, no, no problem. So this, the charter of changes is a list of things that I came up with here a few years ago that I think would, would, Make a difference in Alaska, uh, and and uh, and I think would would change. It would save Alaska for future generations. Basically, right. is what I'm saying. And so there there are four different changes, and I'm going to get your take on them and see what you have to say about it. First yeah. things first is change the players, and what I mean by that is you can't keep sending the same people back over and over again and expecting different results. I would assume yeah. you you agree with that since you're running for this office. Absolutely. Uh, these career politicians have done nothing but take our money and they, they treat us like minions. So yeah, no, there we go. So changing, the, change, yeah, changing the players would be number one. And that that's always a pretty easy one for candidates. Number two though, is changing the venue. And what I mean by that is uh, I'm not talking about moving the capital or anything else. I, but I, what I say is that we should be holding the, um, uh, we should be holding the legislative sessions 
somewhere on the road system that legislative sessions instead of being held in Juneau should instead be you know be held in um, I don't know uh, Greeley Delta uh, Fairbanks Anchorage Wasilla uh, down in Sterling somewhere where the average Alaskan it were on a connected road system where 85 percent of Alaskans could climb in a car in just a handful of hours be in front of their legislators, testifying in person about bills, having those folks directly in front of them instead of being in that little bubble of Juno, that we should mandate and get away for the legislative sessions to be held on the road system. Uh, what do you say? Yes or no? Do you support that idea? Mr. Duke, I've talked to my wife and my constituents about this. There's no reason we can't move the Capitol to Anchorage, there's there's a, a, a forest service building that sits empty that we're still paying to, to keep the heat on in there. Uh, I have no idea why we can't move it there where even if you lived in a village an hour away, you could fly in and still speak to your your uh, your senator. Right. Well, I mean, the only reason we voted on moving the Capitol five or six times in this state and, and it's and it's always it's passed and it's failed and it's passed and it's failed. And there's always some kind of roadblock. And so to short circuit that whole argument about moving the Capitol, we have we have a, a you know, they have already held the uh, legislative session on the road system before. They've held a legislative session in Fairbanks. They've held legislative sessions in Anchorage. Uh, so to avoid that and kind of short circuit and circumvent that whole argument about moving the Capitol, I say we should just put the legislative session on the road system. Uh, but I'm assuming that because you favor moving the Capitol that you would agree that that's probably a good idea. Absolutely. You, yeah. you should. We, I'm, I'm not... <laughs> Uh, I'm not in there yet, but we should be avail- uh, available at all times to our to our constituents. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. For any reason, if you have a question, you should be able to knock on my door and talk to me. And and stand in the face and either pat you on the back or poke you in the chest, one of the two, right? for whatever's going on. Right. <laughs> um, all right. Number three is a little more complex because there's three parts to it. Number three is of uh, the charter of changes is changing the rules. So, and there's three rules that I believe need to be changed. First and foremost, the binding caucus rule. Um, are you familiar with the binding caucus? I touched on it a bit, um, and then I had to go back to work. Yeah, okay. Uh, binding caucus is where basically you would commit as a member of a caucus, usually a majority caucus, you would commit to voting in the end for whatever they tell you for voting for the budget and for voting for procedural votes. You have to agree to play nice with them and vote for the oh. things that they tell you to vote for. Otherwise, you won't get uh, the committee chairs. You won't get the staff. You won't get the, you know, it's a coercive measure that basically holds everybody. And then, of course, they then have political cover to say, well, I was in the caucus and I had to do it because it was a binding vote. Uh, in many states, <clears throat> it's illegal. Uh, and we're really the only state that still has a binding caucus in their legislature. So um, we, I think that the binding caucus rule needs to change and be outlawed. What do you say? I, I Yeah, I firmly believe that it should be outlawed. It, it's no different than the mob, is it? Right. I mean, I, th- I think it's extortion by any other name at that point, wouldn't yeah. you say? You're, you're basically, in some states, if you traded your vote for favors, that would be obviously highly illegal. And that's what you're doing in this case. The sec- goes- I'm sorry? 
And there goes your backbone. Right? Exactly. The second change in changing the rules would be the Open Meetings Act. The legislature passed the Open Meetings Act so that any public body, whether it's elected or appointed um, or even volunteer, if it deals with, with public monies in any ways from a road service area to a planning commission to a legislature to a uh, not a legislature, but a city council or a borough assembly, they have to follow the Open Meetings Act, which means that all their meetings have to be in public, in the public eye. They can't meet without the, you know, in private, et cetera, et cetera. Yet the legislature wrote themselves an exception that allows them to caucus in private, work out, do all the sausage, and then bring it out to the floor without any real public discussion. Um, I think that's wrong. If it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. What do you say? Um, it is wrong. Uh, I don't work for other politicians. I work for the people how it should stay yeah, this whole secret behind doors closed door right now no, right no but we, we work for the people and the people need to know exactly at any moment what's going on the third rule is the conflict of interest rules we should not have people who make their living uh, like for example in the oil industry voting on bills that would uh, help or hurt or hinder the voting the the oil industry to like a taxation or commercial fishermen shouldn't be voting on bills that have to do with commercial fishing regulation it's a simple conflict of interest again the same rules that apply to cities and municipalities and things like that but the legislature can exempt themselves from that so the i think the rules should be across the board what do you say right exactly i, I don't know why they feel that they should be exempt from anything. You, you should be have all all your stuff out there on the table for everybody to look at. Right. The, the, <laughs> well, this whole exemption thing. No, no. Yeah. You, you're a public figure. And the last change is changing the funding. I believe that we should change the way that we write the budgets in this state. I think it should be based oh. on. I think it should be based either on a zero based or even zero based. Uh, or on a five-year rolling average of what we've been receiving as income over the last five years, that should be our starting point uh, instead of the way we do it now. What do you say? What I say is why aren't audits being done of what you've done with the money last year? Well, audits are being done, but nobody seems to be paying attention to them. That's the problem. Exactly. Yeah. We're coming down to the end here, Walter. I want to give you the floor here for the final 90 seconds or so and give you the opportunity to give us your elevator pitch uh, for Walter Jones for uh, State Senate in District C, uh, who you are, where you are, how do we find you, and uh, what you're going to do. So you got about 60 seconds, 90 seconds, go. Okay, sir. Well, I, I just want to throw in there that this whole bycatch um, isn't wasted. It's, it's sold on the market and... The remainder of it is given to cshare.com. Uh, you could check that out. It's it's pretty amazing what Alaska does. Um, I promise I will keep my backbone installed and uh, go to the podium and stand up for everybody that, that I represent in Alaska. Okay. How do folks find out? How do folks find you? What, what's they, your... they can find me at jonesforalaska.com. Or call my uh, office number that's uh, on there. Okay. I, I don't care what time it is. I will talk to you. Okay. If you to, I'd love to hear it. Well, I appreciate you coming on the program and, and uh, appreciate you, uh, you know, sticking your neck out there. And, uh, you know, this should be a good experience for you to, to kind of figure out how this whole thing works. Walter Jones, thank you for being part of the program today. We really appreciate it.
Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Duke. Folks, we are out of time for this uh, segment. We got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. Your phone call's up next. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. All right, uh, that is it. I got uh, Walter on the line. Any final thoughts, Walter, before I let you go? Uh, none here, sir. I'm just waiting to do my job. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll go out and do your job. Thank you for coming on board. We appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Mister. All right. Mr. All right. Um, all right, Walter Jones, uh, our guest uh, on the program this morning. Um, I think uh, I love Walter's spirit. Um, I love his enthusiasm. Uh, but, yeah, I think he needs to get – I'm going to agree with uh, um, what Bill said, which is that he's got good stances on what's put in front of him, but he's not quite ready for Juno. I think he doesn't have the – I think he needs a little bit more in-depth knowledge on some of that stuff first and foremost – and I don't understand the problem with Sarah. So, I, I mean, I, I, I'll be looking more into that uh, here as we go forward. And, yes, I'm still working on getting an interview with Heath Smith. I'm hoping to have that next week. Um, Heath Smith uh, is the other Republican in that race. It's a three-way race for Senate C. So it's Gary Stevens and Walter Jones, who we just spoke to, and Heath Smith. So we'll have a conversation hopefully next week with, uh, with Heath. And uh, and be able to do that. Um, <clears throat> I get wanting to get in there and fix it, but he needs to do a little more homework. That's what's holding me back from running. Says Eskimo Libertarian. It's a, I mean, it's a challenge. You got to you got to be on target. You got to have your message. You got to you know already. You know, if somebody says, "How are you going to fix education?" You ought to at least have two or three different points as to what you would do specifically, not just in general, but in specifics. Um, to, you know, to, to know what you want to fix. That's what, I mean, personally, that's what I'm looking for in a candidate is not just problems, not just complaints, but what are the solutions to doing that? Um, we are going to have on uh, Monday, uh, we're going to have Scott Clayton on the program who is running against David Wilson. So he is, uh, he is Wilson's challenger up here in my uh, in my district, so I'm looking for uh, uh, for that as well, uh, Mr. Dukes. Yeah, some people are polite. That's how it works. We call him Mr. Dukes. That's how it works around here. Um, what is an Eskimo libertarian? I don't know. You should ask her. She's right here in the chat room with you, Harold. You can ask her all you want. Um, so we're working on uh, we're working on that. Also trying to uh, get some of the other um, um, getting some of the gubernatorial candidates on. I'm 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 not uh, I am not uh, 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 solid that uh, we will be uh, uh, that we'll be able to get uh, all the governor candidates on. But uh, we're going to we're going to work on that uh, and see what happens. 
Uh, we do have an open line, open form coming up here in just a second, and we'll talk uh, We'll talk with uh, you about your thoughts. Maybe we can get your thoughts on the last two candidates and what they where they stand and what your thoughts are on that. Uh, we need to close the fishing or the fish will become extinct. Seven years would be needed for this to work, said Christopher. That's a hard sell. I'm not disagreeing that, uh, you know, that putting the fisheries to rest for a while would help them recover, but that's a hard sell. Closing it for seven years, that would be a very, very hard sell, especially to people who are making their living that way. Absolutely. You drilled Walter pretty good. Well, you know, I mean, I'm uh, sometimes you got to walk people through it a little bit, especially if they've never run for office before. You got to kind of, you know, get, get through that and... Uh, uh, work your way out. Uh, let's see. Firearms Friday. That's tomorrow. Yes. Um, this year with ranked choice voting, wouldn't more candidates hurt or wouldn't more in ca- candidates hurt an incumbent? Why would they ask him to step aside? Well, I think it basically because you're splitting the vote at this point. Uh, you're splitting the vote. And in a vote split, uh, generally speaking, the incumbent is going to benefit in a vote split like that because, again, it trickles back up. All of those votes are eventually going to be candidate for one, accounted for one candidate or another. So I think that's part of the problem there that we're talking about. Um, I'm always up for you having Charlie on again. I offered to Charlie to come on this week, and he was unable to do so. So maybe we'll try and get him back on next week. Um, again, he needs a little more recognition. We need to get Charlie Pierce. I mean, just the fundraising gap on that is ins- is insane. I I don't know if you saw that. Uh, uh, Gara, I mean, Dunleavy and Walker both nearly have a million dollars in the bank. Uh, Ch- Charlie Pierce uh, has only raised sixty four thousand dollars. Man, we need some. So we need to get Charlie some help. We need to get Charlie some help here. We need to we need to see some money jump into this. Um, all right, we got to uh, we got to continue to go. Um, um, I have talked with Clayton. He's a decent guy. We'll see. He can talk. Well, that's it's always a positive. If you're gonna have so- if you're gonna have somebody come on as a candidate, it's always a positive to have somebody who can string a sentence together. That is a, definitely a positive thing. All right, let's get back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-Based, Free-Thinking Radio. We're back, and it is one final segment of the show this morning, of course, as always, uh, brought to you by our friends over there at Satellite West. You can find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. For all your communications needs, whether it's cellular, satellite, VHF, whatever, go over there and see what they have to offer. Again, SatelliteWest.com. Many thanks to them for sponsoring the program. Um, all right, here we are in the final segment, and the phone lines are open at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Uh, we'll open up the phone lines to basically any topic, but I guess my question is, 
Um, after listening to the two different candidates here we've had on the air this morning, what are your thoughts um, on these candidates or their chances? Or, you know, would you like to see them tackle different tasks or different uh, issues, um, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, critiques or praises for them? I'd love to hear what you have to say on that. 907 433 3150. That's uh, where you reach us here on the program. Um, I will comment uh, this. Uh, I really liked what Walter had to say. Um, I liked his uh, I liked his enthusiasm and his fire. Uh, I think he needs a little bit more time to study the issues before he gets thrown into the deep end of the pool. Um, I'd like a little more complete answer. One of the things that I said uh, during the break was that what I look for in a candidate is that if I ask a question, uh, specifically about like a solution, for example, on education. When I said, what would you do with the education department? The education budget's huge. How would you address that? I'd like to have a candidate that came out with at least two or three different ideas on ways that can, you know, that it can be fixed. Now, whether that's consolidating administration and overhead and bringing the school districts down or, you know, cutting into the uh, uh, or opening up the form, the form formulation, uh, the funding formula and dealing with that or I mean, uh, or, or the edu- or the backpack funding. I mean, there, there are many different things that you could do or ways. But I would like to see that uh, coming from a candidate. And sometimes, you know, like I said, when you're when you're a brand new shiny penny, sometimes you don't have. All those details, especially if you haven't been involved um, in the process or in watching it or really in following it. Um, but I definitely appreciate the uh, the, enthousi- uh, the enthusiasm that Walter showed uh, in what he was uh, in what he was doing uh, there as well. Okay, um, but anyway, phone lines are open, so it's not just me; it's you and me. Well, I suppose. I forgot when my whole system crashed. For those of you who are just joining us, my whole system crashed this morning uh, about 30 seconds before I was supposed to get on the air. And I had to reboot the machine, and then it was a. It, anyway, there was an issue. Bottom line is, I didn't turn the phone lines back on. And so uh, let me see if I can get the phone lines uh, and phone systems back up uh, because I'm calling for you to give me a call, and I don't even know if you're there. So let me let me fix that real quick. And we will um, uh, we'll, we'll take those calls and see uh, what you guys have to say. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. And... Uh, uh, we would love to hear what uh, what's what's going on there. Okay. Um, ah, I may have found I may have found part of my problem there. <clears throat> my uh, my audio is uh, was being controlled. I see my okay. <laughs> I may have discovered my problem. My phone my phone system took control of my audio. And uh, just about killed everything. That was part of that was why I had a problem this morning and crashes because my phone system tried to take care of everything. And uh, oh, all right. See, this is what happens when you troubleshoot live on the air. That's what goes on. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go over to the phones and see what you guys have to say. Nine zero seven four three three thirty one fifty. We got one caller on hold. Let's go there now. And uh, we'll whoops, they were there and now they're not. Um, okay. Well, we'll still take your calls. How about that? Uh, if you want to, uh, if you want to, uh, sound off and join us, um, 
Don't forget, oh, coming up on Monday, I wanted to make this announcement. Coming up on Monday, we're going to have another guest, this time for the Matsu. It's a candidate for state senate uh, in uh, district, uh, I'm sorry, in in district N, that's the new district, David Wilson's district, my district, um, the uh, candidate for uh, uh, for Senate running against uh, David, uh, Scott Clayton, is going to be joining us. Scott Clayton is going to come in and join us as a uh, uh, as a uh, candidate. We're going to talk with him about that here in just a uh, in just a bit. Um, all right, let me go over to the phones now for real to see what you have to say. We'll start off over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Good morning, Randy. What's on your mind? Uh, one thing about your first candidate, um, Elijah Verhagen or something like that. Verhagen, yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I like that he said is he wanted to pay back the CPR, the Constitutional Budget Reserve, which was severely depleted over the last few years to make up for the deficits. So I, I like that. Uh, one thing that occurs to me, though, that is kind of a little bit of a paradox is uh, about a month ago or so, uh, it was reported in the paper that uh, the effort to draw down further on the CPR to pay a bigger PFD uh, was thwarted by one single vote in the legislature. And they mentioned Greyer Hopkins as the guy that uh, was the one deciding to vote that prevented further drawdown of the CPR. And, uh, and uh, I, 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 I approve of what he did because those two things are in conflict, you know. If you're either going to draw down more or you want to pay back more or you want to do nothing. So I like what your first guest said, and I like what Greyer Hopkins did by not further drawing down the uh, CBR. Not that I'm supporting Greyer Hopkins, but that, that I thought was good. Well, the problem is, of course, drawing some of that stuff out of the CBR. Those monies should have come from the ERA. All the PFD monies are, by statute, supposed to come from the earnings reserve account. And they've been playing these games, Randy, and that's how they get you going is that they play these different games by pulling them out of the different accounts and doing all this other kind of stuff and and blah, 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 blah. Uh, And then they, again, beat their chest about how they protected, you know, something that should never have needed to be protected to begin with. All those money should have initially come out of the earnings reserve account. It should not have been drawn from the CBR to begin with. Yeah, I agree with you. It shouldn't draw down more on the CBR. No, we shouldn't. Right we now. owe the CBR. The CBR is supposed to have $10 billion in it. And we have continually monkeyed right. around and put it off and done all that kind of stuff. The, we should follow the damn law. Hashtag follow the damn law, Randy. We should be drawing things from the accounts that they're supposed to be coming out of instead of all this voodoo accounting that uh, they continue to try and push on us. It is uh, very, very frustrating to see that. But... Uh, so, I mean, I don't give Greyer Hopkins a gold star because, again, now he just wants a way to beat on his chest about it. I I, I argue that the uh, leadership should never have attempted to try and take that money out of the CBR. It should have instead come from the, C, uh, the ERA. So, there you go. All right. Uh, we're out of time. Thank you, Randy, for the call. Tomorrow, Firearms Friday. You will have a good day today, I promise. Or your money back. <laughs> Be kind, love one another, live well. We will see you tomorrow on The Michael Duke Show. Have a great day. Well, 
I see I've got my work cut out for me. My, 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 yeah, my, uh, my phone system apparently blew everything apart. That was part of the problem. So, sorry if I cracked your eardrums there earlier, but uh, hopefully, hopefully, it's all better now, and we'll uh, we'll see how this looks uh, tomorrow. All right, folks, we got to go. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. It is The Michael Duke Show. Don't forget, if you're on YouTube, to subscribe and ring the bell. Do all the youtube things. Also on Facebook, like and follow. We will see you tomorrow, my friends. Have a great day. Shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.